0: Once again, I want to thank you for worshiping with us here today, especially if you're online. We want to extend a special thanks to you as well. We want to know that you're here. There are folders at the end of every row, and there's two ways you can let us know you're here. One, you can just write your name right there in that folder, or you can use your uh, your phone and use that QR code and, and sign up online. If you're a guest with us, we are especially glad you're here. There's a blue card inside that folder. We invite you to take it and fill it out, and you can bring it to our welcome desk at the end of the service, and we have a special guest, uh, special gift just for you for worshiping with us today. You'll also find a red card in that folder uh, for you to let us know if you have a prayer request. Uh, we would love to connect with you in that way as well, and you can drop that in the offering baskets during our worship through giving. You know, sometimes the best way to build something back stronger is to go back to the start. And uh, Maggie said this last week, and I just want to reiterate one of the things I love about the, the graphic for our sermon series is it's a labyrinth. Uh, and when Robin White and the discipleship team set up a labyrinth during Holy Week, uh, Robin and I got kind of tickled because we had watched people. They would, they would kind of stand at the start and they would follow the labyrinth all the way with their eyes to try and get to the center. And, in, and inevitably, they, they couldn't make it with just their eyes. So they had to go to the start and physically start walking the labyrinth in order to get them to the center. You know, and and we have to do that in our faith journey from from time to time. Sometimes we get so caught up in the weeds of faith that we just have to remove ourselves and get back to the start. You know, following God is, is not done with a map or a GPS that tells you each step to take Following God is more like having a compass that kind of points you in the right direction. Uh, Last week, Maggie kicked us off talking about the Bible and how that we should uh, view the Bible primarily through the lens of Jesus. That that Jesus' words is, is how we should frame other parts of the Bible when we are looking through it. Today, we're talking about the gospel, the good news that is Jesus. And one of the challenges we face when we talk about the gospel is that the church, uh, the big C church, especially our western church, has not done a great job of portraying the full gospel. Uh, I'm sure that as you've traveled around uh, different places, you've seen churches that might say, full gospel church, uh, and, and not to throw shade because we do it as well, but some of these full gospel churches should be called part of the gospel church, you know, that, that we primarily put so much emphasis on the atonement. We say that the gospel of Jesus, Jesus came so that we could be forgiven of sin and have relationship with him, that that's the good news. And I've spent a lot of time uh, over the years, especially when I was younger, thinking, how in the world is that good news? You mean to tell me that Jesus came to earth as a human God in the flesh only to suffer and be beaten so that I, my sins, could be forgiven. Now, don't misunderstand. I believe that to be true. But when we just view the gospel through the lens of the atonement, we cheapen the life of Jesus. The gospel is so much more than just a get-out-of-jail-free card. The gospel, the good news, is that we... Have been invited into God's family, and He has set us a seat at the table. In the letter to the church, to the Colossians, Paul is trying to encourage a brand new community of Jesus followers to keep the faith and authentically walk in the footsteps of Jesus. It seems that this group was being minimized by the leaders from the local synagogue. These temple leaders were were minimizing them by saying that they had figured out how to worship God, that their worship brought them to the feet of the angels. These temple leaders were also saying that they were closer to God because they were following the dietary laws that... God had put into place. They also marked their bodies in ways in which showed everyone else that they were the chosen people. And Paul wrote this letter to kind of pull back the curtain, if you will, on those leaders of the synagogue. Paul tries to show the Colossians that our faith is a relationship with God and each other, not a checklist of things that you have to do in order to be saved. Now, before we're too hard on this ancient synagogue and these leaders, uh, I, I wonder if you saw the modern day church in that description a little bit. We too can be a little bit arrogant and say that our worship is so good that brings us to the feet of the angels. We too have a list of things that you must be or not be in order to be counted in and have a place at the table. We too have symbols that mark us as the chosen ones. In the text that Julie read for us today, Paul is reassuring these Jesus followers of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. In verse 21, it says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Now, this ancient language can strike us as kind of peculiar and can maybe have us overlook what Paul is saying here. Paul is not saying that that these people People were at one time shaking their fists at God and cursing everything that God was wanting to do. Paul is saying that the way they once lived, how they lived their lives, was counter, was different, was in an opposite direction than how Jesus wanted them to live. You see, when we live our lives and selfishness, and when we exploit other people, and when we are arrogant, and don't give humble gratitude, we are being hostile to the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus, the good news is that we don't have to stay the same. There's a better way. The Colossians, the people who are not Jewish, are now invited to Christ's table and can experience the fullness of God. Living the way Jesus desires us to live is simple, but it is not easy. This letter is encouraging these young disciples that they can participate in the heavenly table, but they have to hold fast to Christ, the anchor of hope. Verse 23, it says, Continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Following Jesus is simple because as Jesus followers, all we have to do is put our trust in him, right? But it's not easy because it requires an ongoing commitment to following Jesus each and every day. When we refuse to put our trust in Jesus on a daily basis, then we become susceptible to falling away from a rich, beautiful relationship with God and with each other. The gospel, the good news, is more than a one time event. The gospel, the good news is that we are a part of God's family and invited to sit at his table. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing that we did to deserve it. There's nothing that we can do to earn it because it is already done. Relationships are difficult. And a relationship with God can sometimes seem impossible. One of the reasons why we do the Lord's Prayer at the beginning of all of our worship services is that we understand that this relationship with God can be complicated, and sometimes we don't know what to pray. And so if we can learn the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, then we have something. I'm expected to to pray at almost every one of our family gatherings. Uh, one, especially Christmas and Thanksgiving, and one, I think it was a Thanksgiving, my brother-in-law, who was, the, at that time, he was a banker, asked me if I wanted to pray, and I said, not really, do you want to approve a loan? You know, like, you know, and we went to Costa Rica a couple weeks ago, and, and we'd have these long pauses because we would invite the team to pray uh, for a meal or after a devotion, and sometimes they felt forever. It, it, and it's not because people are not, don't have a lot of spiritual depth. It just shows how difficult it is to have a relationship with God. Now, this passage helps us understand what the good news really is. There are two buts in this passage, and I love it. It starts off by saying, once you were alienated from God, bad news, right? But he has reconciled you through the death of Jesus. That's good news. (laughs) Most of the time we stop right there, but Paul doesn't. Paul says, once you were alienated from God, but through Jesus you can have a relationship. You need to remain established, rooted in faith, and not shift. That part becomes open-ended. The first sentence of the passage shows us our hopelessness, right? (laughs) Then it gives us a way out of the darkness that Jesus has done something for us that we could not do for ourselves. But the second but puts the ball back in our court. It tells us that Jesus has paid the price. However, we have to engage in that power and have a relationship with him that is authentic. And we do that by connecting and staying connected with God and each other. Because of the good news, Our faith should be active, not passive. The gospel, the good news, is that we are now part of God's family, that he has set a place for us at his table. And for us to build that relationship with God, it'll take time. One of the things that has not been helpful and I say this a lot, is the church sometimes gives the impression that all you have to do is give your life to Jesus and everything's going to be okay. And we all know that's true, not true, right? That our relationship with Jesus takes time to build and it takes time to grow. Uh, I like to call this bridging the gap. I talk about it almost every week. Bridging the gap between who we really are and who God wants us to be. Our job is to each and every day bridge that gap and it takes time my grandmother was an amazing cook Uh, her specialty was fried chicken if we could have and I'm not being just uh, a partisan person with my grandmother's fried chicken if we could have uh, somehow mass produced that we would be wealthy people today And one day I asked her the secret to frying chicken, and I thought I was going to, you know, I'd see her put stuff in the flour and all that kind of stuff, and I thought I would get the secret. And here's what she told me. She said, what you do is you get the oil really hot, then you brown the chicken, then you turn it down really low, and cook it very slow. And she would say, good things take time. We got her a microwave one year for Christmas or her birthday, and that's where she stored her Tupperware. (laughs) It takes time for us to become the people that God wants us to be. This is the problem with describing the gospel, the good news, simply by just the atonement for our sins. We don't just give our life to Jesus and everything changes. Our job is to move closer to being the person God wants us to be each and every day. And we can do this. We can be worthy of that place at Jesus' table when we discover Christ's character. If we are truly followers of Jesus, we need to act more like Jesus. The first part of the gospel is that our sins are forgiven. The ways in which we get it wrong, they do not matter. The second part is that we have a place at the table, and therefore we need to take on the character of the host. Our text encourages us to continue in our faith and grow deep roots. At the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus went back to his hometown in Nazareth and taught in his hometown synagogue. You can imagine how that went, right? Here comes this kid that used to grow up in the synagogue, and now he's teaching. There were people in the synagogue saying, hey, isn't that Joseph's kid? You know, and he got the scroll, and he read these words. This is from Luke four eighteen through 19. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, that was not good news to everybody in the room. In fact, later in this chapter, it says that the people were so angry with him that they ran him out of town. Following the character of Jesus might be pretty simple, but it is not easy. And sometimes it's not even safe. When we offer a place at the table for the poor, the prisoner, the blind, the oppressed, we're going to make some waves. We've already mentioned that this week in our community, we've seen this happen Right before our eyes, the people of St. Stephen's Church in Vestavia had a person come into their midst and he sat down at a table by himself. And the accounts say that, that a gentleman, Mr. Rainey, uh, maybe uh, subconsciously is trying to bridge the gap between who he is and who God wants, his, wants him to be, invites him to sit at his table. And at some point during that, the gentleman opened fire. So did this mean we should shut ourselves off from people and not offer the gospel? I don't think so. The character of Jesus compels us to reach out to people at the margins of life and love, expecting nothing in return, and offer people a place at the table. Uh, VT... Uh, Channel 13 put out a uh, news story, and their account is that Mr. Rainey's family said this We feel a sense of peace that his last hours were spent in one of his favorite places on earth, St. Stephen's Episcopal Church, a place that welcomes everyone with love. We're proud that his last act on earth, he extended the hand of community and fellowship to a stranger, regardless of the outcome. We need to discover Christ's character, and then we need to trust in Christ. For us to be a living example of the gospel, we need to have the confidence to trust in Christ. Trust is not something that just happens. Trust is something that builds over time. We need to be able to put ourselves in situations where we can trust God. You know, when our son Drew was learning to play baseball, he was pretty scared of the ball, like like a lot of kids. You know, when you'd get up to bat and you would back away a little bit. Well, he had this bad habit of when he was running to first base, he would slow down right before he got to first base. And his coach uh, was a neighbor of ours, Tim. And Tim said, Drew, why do you slow down right before you get to first base? And Drew said, well, they're throwing the ball. I'm afraid it's going to hit me. And so uh, Drew's about five. And so he says, go grab your helmet. Go from home, run to first. And I'm just watching And Drew starts taking off to first base and Tim grabbed a baseball and pegged him right in the helmet. And he goes, did that hurt? Drew said, no. He goes, none of them boys can throw as hard as me. (laughs) Sometimes we gotta get hit for us to be able to learn to trust. We need to discover Christ's character. We need to trust in Christ so that we can persevere. Our spiritual life Is not about winning or living so that God will prosper us in some way. That's a myth. The gospel, the good news of Christ, is that we can persevere. We can stand firm because Christ has given us a place at the table. And we need to extend that invitation to others. Perseverance is another layer of the good news. Listen to how Paul puts it in Romans. I'll be reading from the message, which is Eugene Peterson's uh, paraphrase of these scriptures. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us. There is no way, no trouble, no hard times, no hatred, no hunger, no homelessness, no bullying threats, no backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks, They pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. The gospel, the good news is that we're a part of God's family. And we've been invited to his table. I want to invite our worship band to come back up. You know, next week as we continue to go back to the start, we're going to turn our attention from the Bible and the gospels to the church. Maybe, just maybe. Maybe it's the church is how we persevere on this journey of faith. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you. We thank you for the good news that Jesus has made a place for us, his table. May we have the courage to invite others to the party. In Jesus' name, amen.